Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is the baddest man in the UFC himself, Matt the Immortal Brown. Matt, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. So like I told you when I first messaged you, the first fight I ever saw you in was the Pete Cell fight. And man, there's a lot we got to talk about with that fight because obviously the fans were exposed to your killer instinct, which we all love. But there was actually a human element in that fight that I really admire, man. And it's the fact that, you know, he was basically done. And with a lot of guys, when they have an unconscious opponent, you know, they might keep hitting him until the ref stops it. But you actually called the fight off yourself. You were like, dude, like, the guy's done. What the hell do I have to do? So can you talk about that real quick? Yeah, there was, you know, look, there's two parts to that. For one, yeah, it was like you said, the human element, the, the fact that um, he just didn't need to be taking any more damage than, I mean, I, I, I reached out to clinch him. I was going to grab him, you know, and throw a knee or something, and he fell down just from me touching him. So it was pretty obvious he was done, and, you know, I think the ref should have stopped it before he did. But the second part of that was the fact that the ref had already stopped the fight, right? And then and then we restarted us just out, out of nowhere, right? I don't know if you remember that. You know, I do. He, yeah, so he had completely stopped it and restarted it. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, um, I actually, I, I, if I remember right, literally going through my head was when Pete Sell fought Scott Smith and he punched him in the gut. It, you know, Smith was completely out. The fight should have been over, but Smith throws the haymaker right hand and then Sell's knocked the, the hell out, right? So what was going through my head was, man, this guy could just wing something anytime and I'm done. You know, I mean, at least the, the possibility. So, you know, is uh, one of those things, man. I was like, dude, just this guy's had enough. So he put the two together, and I was just getting frustrated. Yeah, man. Now a lot of fighters they talk about how they flip a switch when they enter that octagon. Now for you, you had to flip a couple different switches because you know you're destroying the guy, but then while the fight's still going on, you're consciously deciding, hey, he's had enough. And I mean, you basically touched on it, but. How do you flip that switch in the middle of the fight? Was it the fact that the ref physically touched you? Yeah, so, yeah, the you know, the ref had physically touched me, pulled me off. So, yeah, my switch had been turned off at that point. I mean, I, I would thought that, you know, the fight was over. So then I had to turn the switch back on and, and keep going. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, some fighters talk about flipping a switch. I don't really view it as that um, because that's – that's sort of analogous to like that's that's complete on and off right i think a better analogy in my uh the way i look at it personally is like a change in the channel you know so you're you know i'm on all the time my screen's on all the time i'm ready anytime you know you come at me right now i'm ready um but i can change the channel i can go from uh, you know the discovery channel to um you know the uh, why don't I don't know the the war channel you know <laughs> you know whatever dog fights on TV or whatever and you know you got to flip the channel over to uh, the adult channel every now and then too so you know I can uh, I, I, I that's a, I, I'm on all the time I'm always ready you know I turn the TV off to to go to sleep and that's it so when you're teeing off on Eric Silva is the only reason you didn't stop just because the ref didn't stop you because I mean it looked like he had enough too. Yeah, well, <laughs> that guy kept coming back no matter what I hit him with. He was like a zombie. And, 
Yeah, that, that was a little different, you know, because that was more of a, a slow. Uh, he, he wasn't sh- showing any signs of a necessity to stop the fight. That was more of a slow grind. And um, for whatever reason that night, like, I didn't feel the power in my punches. I just didn't. I don't know what it was, man. I just didn't feel that pop and snap in my punches that is normal. But, you know, I think maybe I had a, a bad warm-up. Um, it was my That was my first main event. And, of course, it was in, you know, close to my hometown. Had a lot of family there, a lot of pressure on me. Um, and then, of course, I got kicked in the gut really hard. So, you know, I mean, there was a, probably a lot of factors that played into it. But, um, yeah, just didn't feel the pop. So I think it was a lot more, you know, volume of punches. And that's why, why I was throwing so much volume. I just knew that it was a necessity because I, I just didn't feel the power that I normally would. Yeah, man. And he certainly felt the pop on those punches. And I got to ask you because, you know, you have knocked guys out with one punch, you know, obviously the Mike Swick fight, but you've also taken the death by a thousand cuts approach in the Eric Silva fight. Which one do you like better? Um, it's always nicer to just get rid of a guy and not have to take the risk. So, but uh, honestly, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I mean, it's much more gratifying to go through a war like I did with Eric Silva where, you know, where people remember it, you know, I still get messages about it. Um, you know, if someone, I think every time someone watches it on fight pass, they send me a message and tell me how great it was. So, you know, in that sense, yeah, it's gratifying and it's great. And, you know, it definitely, uh, feels good. Um, but you know, the, the night of the fight, yeah, you, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah I'd say that the latter actually all the time. Cause you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, you know, uh, bloodthirsty like that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, man, that's why the fans love you. And when did you first find out that you had that kind of killer instinct? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've never even thought about it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the media, you know, and, and reporters, you know, you guys are the ones that, that, that talk to me about it. I, I don't even think of myself like that. I try to get myself, I think I still have a long ways to go and I need to be, uh, um, better at all those aspects that, that I'm, you know, supposedly praised for and everything. So, you know, that, that people consider my strengths. Um, I think they need to be stronger. Um, you know, I need to make my weaknesses stronger too, but you know, that that's, um, I, I try. I don't get caught up in the hype. You know, I've made that mistake before, gotten caught up in the hype, and it really affects you mentally the wrong way. So um, I've learned to not let that happen to me. And so, you know, every day, like I, you know, it's the same mentality for me every day. I'm just trying to get better at everything. You know, I'm trying to get my cardio better, and, and people praise my cardio, but I'm still trying to get my cardio better. I think it's not nearly what it needs to be. You know, I'm trying to get stronger, and you know, I'm trying to have better elbows and. You know what I mean? So it is, it's it's an evolution. Yeah, man. And when you talk about how you know people praise you for that, what, when did you when did you start to believe that hype? Was it when you were on that seven fight win streak, or was it back in the day? Tell tell me about that. No, I would say um, actually, <clears throat> you know, when, when I had the 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 long win streak, there it was probably around the time that I quit believing that hype and forgot about it, and you know, it was just. It's still the same track I'm on today. You know, I'm just focused on today and focused on doing the best that I can. You know, I've, I mean, I've lost a couple of fights, you know, to the top guys since. But, you know, I, I don't, I, I didn't, um, you know, there's there's nothing. I didn't lose anything, any focus. I didn't lose any desire, uh, nothing like that. So, you know, everything's still 
on that same track, I, I'm still looking at the light at the end of the tunnel and still going down the same tunnel. So uh, nothing changed there. I would say um, I, I'm trying to think of specific fights. Um, yeah, I guess it's been a while. You know, I can, I know one really, really good example would be before long before I was in the UFC, I fought Pete Spratt in my third pro fight. And, you know, I was basically brought in as a lamb to the slaughter for that fight. You know, I, he had like, I think, 40 or 50 fights at the time. You know, I had three fights, <laughs> you know, so, you know, and it, it was ridiculous. Like, there's no reason I should have been fighting him. I can't believe it got approved by any commission, which I don't know. There might not even been a commission back then. But anyway, um, yeah, I survived, you know, the whole fight. I beat him, even though they gave him the decision in his hometown. It was a garbage decision. So then my next fight, I mean, I just, I had no fear at all. I just, I was like, man, I got, I was like, I just fought Pete Spratt. Who cares? Like, I'll, I'll beat anybody, you know. Um, and then I got choked out pretty quickly. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I learned, you know, that's, a, you know, the lessons you learn, you know. And I, I was fortunate to learn them before the UFC. So um, it's a matter of taking those lessons to heart and executing those lessons. That's the key because we all learn the lessons. The lessons are obvious. It's a matter of implementing them into our daily lives and our training. And, and then, main consistently implementing them you know a lot of people will learn a lesson like i said the lessons are obvious they're easy to learn and then some people implement it for a little bit and then they go back to what the norm is what's ingrained in them uh, it's about uh, maintaining consistency in, in your implementation yeah man i like that mentality a lot and we're going to talk about a lot of the lessons you've learned on the show. And, you know, one of the lessons I want to talk to you about is when you fought Matt Arroyo the first time, obviously you knock him out, and then you fight him another time. So what's it like mentally knowing that you've already finished this guy once and you got to go out there and fight him again? He's probably hun hungry as hell. Yeah, so I was actually just telling a story the other day on the, on my podcast, a great MMA debate well, with Damon and Loper. We had TJ Dillashaw on, and we was talking about uh, – Oh shit! I don't know what we were talking about, but we this somehow that, uh, the royal fight came up, and yeah, the first time I fought him, I, that was that was a great lesson too. You know, so you know, I, I had to learn a lesson during the fight. Is the first time I fought him was on 24 hours notice. I actually went to um, a fight in Florida, and I was cornering this girl, and uh, as we were driving to the weigh-ins, there they got a call for uh, that that somebody backed out at 170 pounds, and I'm sitting in the back seat, the motor's sitting in the front seat. Uh, I heard him kind of talking about it with the guy in the passenger seat. Like, he's like, oh, this guy dropped out, man. What are we going to do? And I just reached up and said, hey, man, well, what's the problem? Y'all need a 170? And he said, yeah. And I was like, man, hey, will you give me $500? Because I need rent money. And, you know, I needed, you know, I was like $500 short of my rent money or something. I, I don't remember exactly, but with the, the dollar, but I said, hey, you know, I need some rent money. I'll fight for you tomorrow. He said, cool, we're in, let's do it. And we made a catch weight of like 180 or something. I had to drop like two or three pounds or something. And, you know, the next 20 minutes or something, I had to drop away. So anyway, we, uh, um, we you know, we, we get to the fight. I, I beat his ass, well, no problem. And then he's calling for the rematch. I, actually, before the fight, it was funny. I was, I was warming up in the locker room and, and Howard Davis, I didn't have any corner with me, obviously. I was there to corner someone. And uh, Howard Davis was warming me up. I didn't have anybody warm me up. So I said, Howard, you know, can you hold some pads for me or something? He's like, yeah, no problem. And 
um, let's see. So I, I said, Hey, what do you know about this guy? You ever heard of the, you know, this Matt Arroyo guy fighting? He's like, yeah, man. He's like, he, he he's tapping out all these black belts and he's only a purple belt. And I was like, Oh, so I'm probably about to go fucking get submitted. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it, so anyway, I am whooping his ass. And then, yeah. So when they called me, told me that, you know, I'm fighting Matt Arroyo for our, on the finale, uh, I was like, man, that's that's easy. I already, I beat this guy in 24 hours notice. You're gonna give me a whole camp, you know? So that that was easy. And then, but then, so the lesson I had to learn during the fight, you know, I just I I, I I come in like, man, this guy's not gonna throw a punch. He's just gonna walk in, try to take me down, whatever. So he walks over. Um, I think I don't even think we touched gloves. He just bam hits me with a right hand, one of the hardest right hands I've ever been hit with in my life. I'm rocked. I've only been rocked like two or three times in my life. I'm fucking rocked. I get a big black eye, and uh, you know, he pre- proceeded to have a pretty good fight. Actually, you know, I whooped his ass again, knocked him out in the second round, I think. But the lesson, like I had to learn right away. I was like, okay, don't take this kid for granted. You know what I mean? Like this kid, he knows how to fight. So. It was, you know, like I said, I, I learned that lesson right then, man, and that was uh, that's a bad time to learn a lesson, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of lessons and great fights, you fought, you know, my hometown boy, Douglas Lima, and dude, that was one hell of a fight. It's funny, because a couple months back, uh, Musasi was fighting against Costa Filippo, and you know, I was watching it with some friends, we were like, man, this fight is fucking boring. Let's put on Matt Brown versus Douglas Lima. Just talk about <laughs> talk about that fight real quick, because it was intense, bro. Yeah, that was a wild one, too, man. So, you know, I, I, I think I took the fight like two or three weeks notice. That's how it was back then, you know, like you just fought. Like, they call you, like, hey, what are you going to fight? I think I, that was another fight I was brought as a lamb for the slaughter. Um, I mean, he was, you know, as soon as I got the fight, like, everybody, I never even heard of the guy, but every, apparently everybody else had, everybody's like, dude, he's a, they call him the prodigy, like, his dude's fucking beating everybody's ass, and, like, this kid is bad, and I was like, all right, well, put me in there, I'll, I'll be the lamb, I don't care, man, you know, and, uh, I, like I said, I've been in that position before, you know, and, um, you know, I'm the I'm the lamb that beats wolves ass I guess you know so <laughs> yeah man so, you know, yeah I said you know put me in there let's do it and um man what a war he was he lived up to the hype I can tell you that man he's a tough tough kid um probably the hardest leg kicks I've ever felt in my career um I I, I felt those leg kicks for a week after and I don't think he even threw that many I mean it was probably two or three leg kicks but but I was limping for a week after I remember going to the you know, I, I couldn't walk out of the cage. I had to, uh, you know, I had to walk out. I had to be carried out of the cage, you know, at least on shoulders or whatever. I remember getting to the IHOP, you know, on on the drive back home. And, and man, I, I was like, I, like, I didn't want to get out of the car and eat. You know what I mean? I was like, guys, just go in and get me some pancakes and bring them out here. And uh, I ended up making it in. But, <laughs> you know, it's IHOP, man. You find a way. But, yeah, so yeah, he's a really, really tough kid, man. You know, I think I just, they're just, you know, ain't no quitting me, man. You know, and I don't think he'd ever faced anything like that before. Yeah, and to this day, you're still the only man to ever finish him via strikes. Oh, I didn't know that. Was he, is he, uh, has he lost other ways since? Or yeah, he... he basically the only way he's lost is via, you know, a grinding decision against Ben Askren. And then he had this fight against this guy, Koroshkov, and 
uh, Douglas was clearly injured because his opponent was, you know, was kind of point fighting him and Douglas could was wasn't throwing anything. You could tell he was hurt. So he's only lost via decision. He's never really gotten his ass whooped like, you know, like you did. Wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah, a lot of respect for him, man. You know, and I'm surprised he hasn't been to the UFC yet, actually. And, you know, I think he's got all the ability and talent to be there and probably in the top 10, you know. So, um, you know, Askren, he's the type of guy, he can do that to anybody, you know. I mean, just about anybody, you know. But, um, he, you know, he's a hard guy to stop. And I didn't see that fight, but I remember it now that you mentioned it. And, you know, as – if you ain't wrestled your whole life, it's going to be hard to, to stop someone like that. Yeah, man. And we're going to talk about the wrestling in a bit because, you know, obviously you have trained with the OSU guys. You've trained with the Cuban Olympians. But as far as Lima's concerned, man, we know how uh, those Bellator contracts are. So that's probably why he's not in the UFC right now. But as far as you're concerned, man, you know, back in the day, a lot of the fights that you lost were via submission. Now, once you went on that streak, something changed. It was it, it wasn't just the fact that you're winning fights, but it, it was something changed up here. And I want you to talk about that because in that Eric Silva fight, you know, obviously at the beginning he landed a perfectly placed kick. He takes your back. He's got a Mata Leon. He's got the fucking body triangle. And at that point in your past, maybe you would have tapped. What changed, Matt? Um, I wouldn't say that would have tapped in my past for sure. Uh, yeah, that, definitely not. Uh, nothing really changed. That's what I, uh, you know, I've been asked this question a million times that, it wasn't really one specific thing that changed. I mean, I think, you know, it's just evolution just like everything else. And I think I uh, just the training was catching up to me. You know, I've always trained smart. I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm not a, a fool. You know, I have a, a training regimen and methodology that we follow and that I go by. And, you know, it's I think it was just catching up with me and starting to the, – the methodology and, and the, the, the training was just finally um, – catching up to where I was at you know I started in this late in my life and I uh you know I've I've been playing catch up all the time so I've always fought ahead of myself I've always fought guys that were you know more experienced and better than you know better records than me and and you know I've always wanted to challenge myself so you know in the submissions uh you know every submission I ever tapped out to there's a reason I tapped out it wasn't it wasn't because, uh, you know, I could have gutted it out or anything. It was because it was completely uh, finished, you know. And and Eric, uh, you know, he didn't have it completely finished. I mean, there was, you know, he was 99.9% there, but that's all I need is that 0.1%. And um, as at the other submissions, you know, <laughs> it wasn't that wasn't the case. So, you know, I, I know where it's at. And, you know, the, I, I'm just going to keep evolving and keep getting better and, you know, now I got the, the next fight, you know, that's, you know, the, the best submission guy in the world. So, you know, so now I got to deal with that. And let's, you know, now we'll find out, you know, what's clicked up there. Now we're going to find out how much I've evolved. Now we're going to find out how good all this training has been. Because um, he, he's, you know, he's the worst matchup for me. And I know that. And that's that's what I want. That's what I thrive on. That's what I embrace. I'm not, I'm not waking up every day with the only thing on my mind, winning and losing. I'm waking up trying to become uh, sharpen the sword and be a better samurai. 
Well, that's what the warrior spirit's all about. And I mean, what do you think about Maya? Because obviously, in all his fights, I mean, he just runs forward, he gets you up against the fence, takes you down, and he tr and he tries to either wear you like a backpack, choke you out, take you down to the ground. And it's interesting because with a lot of jujitsu guys, you know, they like to pull guard and sweep. And with him, he's actually implemented really good MMA wrestling. He's really good with his takedowns. What do you think about this guy? Well, yeah, like you said, I mean, he is the worst matchup for me. I understand that. And I embrace that, and, you know, th that's what I'm in the sport for. I mean, I want I want the toughest guys, man. I want the worst guys. I want to prove to myself that I can beat that. I, I, I want that challenge, and I, I want to overcome that challenge. It's a huge obstacle. But you learn, you know, a lot more about yourself, and you, you become – uh, a, a better person and a stronger person and a better warrior by fighting those bad matchups and and uh, overcoming those. I mean, you know, funny enough, I just read a book recently called The Obstacle is the Way. And that's, uh, you know, what that whole book is talking about, you know. And, you know, this is a perfect example of that. And I think, you know, no matter what, coming out of this fight, I'm going to be a better fighter. You said it's The Obstacle is the Way? Yeah, by, I believe, Ryan Holiday is his name. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out, man. I'm into all that kind of shit. You, uh, you heard of the power of now? Uh, I have, yeah. I'm not sure if I've read it. I've read so many books, I can't always remember them all. But uh, that sounds familiar, though. Yeah, all, all, all that kind of shit is really good, man. But let, let me talk to you about your wrestling experience with uh, the in the OSU room and with the Cuban Olympian team. I mean, how does that compare to the regular grind of MMA? Um. Well, I mean it's. Obviously, you know, it's more of the same thing over and over again every day. So, um, you know, it's a little different. You know, in MMA, there's so many different things we're doing every day, you know, on top of uh, strength, cardio, flexibility, um, you know, wrestling, boxing, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, you know, even and then even within each of those realms has, you know, so many possibilities. Um, so... You know, yeah, so it's really, it's different, man. It's a lot different, but wrestling, man, is probably, it might be my favorite thing to do. I mean, I really enjoy wrestling. I'm not going to say that I'm the best at it, but, you know, I'm getting up there, man. I'm starting to, you know, I think it's starting to come together a lot better for me. And uh, who are you working with your wrestling on nowadays? Is it just up at Team Elevation, or what What are you doing these days? Yeah, we're at Team Elevation, you know, and, uh you know, I got the head coach, Leaster Bowling, and uh, um, the Yon brothers, Sonny Yon and uh, Cody Yon, uh, the wrestler of Minnesota, All-Americans. Uh, my, my other coach, uh, Kazeka Muniz, uh, you know, he was a, a junior. Um, um, I don't know if he was world champ, but he was up there in the top. Um, he medaled in the Junior Olympics, and or Junior Worlds, I mean. Yeah, Kazeka's a fucking beast, man. I know exactly who he is. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you know, Kazeka from Atlanta, so yeah, 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 you know, and yeah, so he helps me with a lot of stuff. You know, he's the one, you know, introduced me to the Cuban team, and you know, he wrestled with them guys a lot. So, so yeah, uh, you know, I got a lot of good guys around me. Um, I'll go down to the Olympic Training Center, you know, when when I get a chance. So, you know, got a lot, a lot of good guys around me, man. Hell yeah, man! And let, let's talk about something other than fighting for a second. So, I've seen the countdown video, and man, you got a German Shepherd. I got two German Shepherds I know firsthand. They are the best dogs on planet Earth. And, man, it was really cool to see your dog 
uh, following you when you're on that uh, that wheelbarrow fucking thing that you like to do, man. And how how does your uh, dog react when you're training, man? Because I know that if I even hit the bag at home, my dog will fucking attack the bag. Yeah, so that's um, <laughs> funny you say that. I, I actually I don't take him to the to to where the mats are. The the, the training you seen on the countdown was um, outdoors training. So yeah, it's a, it's a little different. I I, I wouldn't take him there. Uh, mainly because of the dog hair. Like, I just don't want the hair getting on the mats. Maybe, like, I've taken him to boxing gyms, I guess. So, I, yeah, so I guess he doesn't really freak out when, when I do that. Like, he, he's the most playful, like, dopiest, like, just just fucking childish German Shepherd ever. You know what I mean? I, I love him to death, man. Like, he, he just... You know, he, he's such a kid at heart. Like, he, he won't... He wouldn't attack anybody for nothing. And... um the actually, well, I take that back. The only time he actually was even a little bit protective was when, um, let's see, my, my what we were at the dog park and this kid or this this dog was bugging my kid and he wasn't you know wasn't trying to hurt the kid or anything but just kept jumping on him and finally uh, my dog his name is Harley went over and um, like started attacking that dog and he's never attacked a dog in his life so wow he and- was, it was. Yeah, it was really obvious like he knew something was going on, so it was crazy. But yeah, man, he, he's just a big dope, you know. And uh, he's so he's what they call a king shepherd, which most people uh, haven't heard of. But he's a uh, hundred pounds, and he was bred. His family line was bred um, for police dogs, and they, but they were they were bred their their size. The reason that they bred them for that size was so that they would knock people over instead of bite them. And uh, I don't know if that was in America or where that was, but um, yeah, so that's why he's so big. So it makes him a lot, lot clumsier and he has a harder time, um, you know, controlling his body. Like most German Shepherds are extremely athletic and agile and he has a lot of that, but not as much as a regular one. So, yeah, I don't want to, you know, run my mouth too much, but <laughs> I could talk about him all day. You know, I mean, I, I love him to death, man. He's a great, great dog. Fuck yeah! And real quick, man, can you uh, move your camera a little bit so we can see your face? There we oh, go. Shit, my oh, it's oh, cool, bro. It was just for a sec. Uh, okay. I didn't know you still record. I didn't know you still record my face because I I can't see yours now. Oh, you can't see mine? No, it's all black. What the fuck? Hold on a second. Let me see if I can fix this shit for you. What about now? No, I don't see nothing. Oh fuck. Oh well. I can see you, so that, that's all. That's all that matters. So hey, yeah, it's cool, man. No worries. Yeah. So back on the shepherd topic. Okay. So you got a king shepherd. I actually have two long-haired German shepherds. You know about long-haired German shepherds? Um, I know what they look like. I don't know about you know about their temperament or you know their characteristics. Man, I mean, just the fucking personality on them is something else. I mean, not only are they the smartest dogs, the most protective dogs. I mean, they're also athletic too. But it's just. Something about like their sense of humor. They're just so much smarter than other dogs. So much smarter than a lot of people in general. You know what I mean, Matt? Yeah, they have a. a they definitely have an intuition, you know, and not common to other animals or people for sure. Yeah, man. And how how old is Harley? Um, two and a half. Okay, so he's still a pup. Yeah, he's still a pup and still acts like it. You know, <laughs> he hasn't grown up one bit. I swear to God, he still acts like the. The day I got him at 10 weeks old. And he's good with the kids, obviously. Amazing. He's absolutely amazing with the kids. I mean, he, he, um, you know, he was 10 weeks old when we got him. And we, we actually, we only had, we had one problem with him 
when we first got him, when he was probably about 12 to 15 weeks old, he was getting really protective of his food. And that was, yeah, hired a uh, trainer, a dog trainer. Um, her, her, her company is called Tranquil Packs Training in Columbus, Ohio. And she's absolutely amazing. Um, changed I'd watched, you know, I've I've had two other German Shepherds before this. You know, I trained them myself. Um, I, I've had dogs my whole life trained them. I've watched, you know, Caesars DVDs and, you know, read about everything. But working with her changed my entire perspective and my entire life uh, with my dog and created a completely new bond with him. And, you know, so I would say for anybody that has a Shepherd or, you know, especially any working breed, um, you know, high energetic, high high drive dog. I highly recommend, yeah, you know, getting someone with that sort of expertise because it, it it made my life with my dog ten times better. Yeah, man, I can only imagine. And you know, so I got two dogs, two German Shepherds. One's eleven. A lot of work, man. Oh yeah, man. And the eleven year old, you know, he's a fucking he's an old man now, but he's still running strong. And then I just got. He, another one that's six months old, and man, nice. he's, a, he's a little trip, this guy, but it's interesting because the little guy, he's cool with the kids, but the older guy, he wasn't around kids growing up, so to him, I think he mm. thinks they're little animals or something, he kind of doesn't like them, but, <laughs> but but I'm exposing the young guy to kids and other dogs early so that he'll be cool as he gets older, you know what I mean? Yeah, that was exactly what we did, and he, he's he been 100% perfect with him, like I said, except other than you know a little bit of a resource protection there at the beginning and a resource guarding, whatever they call it. And, um, yeah, but you know, they can walk up to him and pull his ears and pull his tail, jump on him. I mean, they've done, you know, some of the craziest things kids have done and he just lays there like nothing's even happening. That's and, and, awesome. And now, and now, you know, it's even to the point where, you know, they walk him, you know, and he'll heal to them. Um, you know, he'll sit, he'll sit and lay down when they tell him to and, you know, so uh, in for a real fun time with, with them, too. Definitely, man. And Matt, I wish we could dork out about German Shepherds for the next hour or two. But <laughs> unfortunately, the fans would rather hear some fight talk. So, yeah. But before we get into the fight talk, I know you like heavy metal and rock and roll. I mean, what's on Matt Brown's playlist now, nowadays? Is it Suicide Silence, Lamb of God? What do you listen to? <laughs> Damn, man. I actually... Um, Gosh, I got so much, man. It's always changing, you know. Like lately, I've been big on uh, Mastodon, Mashuga, Gojira. That Fuck sort yeah, of, yeah, that sort of genre. That that sort of, uh, gosh, I don't even know what you call that shit. Like progressive metal type, fucking just weirded out, trippy, acid, tool, whatever kind of shit. Like, <laughs> like I, yeah, I just really like that shit now. And um, you know, I'm still on, man, that new Lamb of God album is, is just fucking killing it, man. That was an amazing album. Um, gosh, August Burns Red, they, their new album is fucking ridiculous. I, I'm looking forward to here in the next couple of days getting the new Megadeth. You know, I've, I heard that it's, they're, they're sort of, they, a lot of people have said that that's is the best work since Rust in Peace. What? Um, for sure. Like, I've, I've heard people saying that it, it, it's equal with Rust in Peace. It's like back to that style this new guitarist i forget his name but the new chris adler from lamb of god is on the drums okay there we go um, the, the new guitarist they said everybody's saying that he hasn't had this sort of chemistry since marty friedman since friedman yeah uh who since marty friedman 
Yeah, since Marty Freeman. Yeah, they're saying yeah, he hasn't had that sort of chemistry since him. So, yeah, I mean, I'm stoked to hear that, man. I want to hear what that's all about. Um, I'm still liking the new Iron Maiden, Book of Souls. Um, man, uh, Black Dolly Murder, they just come out with new. Uh, Thy Art is Murder is fucking rocking. Uh, God, man. Uh, I, I'm sure I could fucking go on, too, man. There's so, so much good stuff coming out, man. It, like, 2015 was just a, uh, an immense year for metal, I feel like. And, uh, I mean, there's just so many great albums. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, um, probably my favorite death metal band of all time, Morbid Angel, I think is working <laughs> yeah. on a new album. So that's what I'm looking forward the most to in 2016. Man, you like some fucking good shit. And it's funny because, you know, I got an older brother. So for me, I was exposed to Morbid Angel and all these fucking bands, obviously Mastodon, they're from Atlanta, a Black Dahlia Murder. They're, they're good friends of mine because their guitar player, Ryan, he's from ATL also. So yeah. Oh, no. I'm down with all those guys and Gojira, man. I didn't expect you to mention them. There's some, uh, there's some badasses, dude. Dude, Gojira is the shit, man. You know, I just sort of recently started exploring that genre of metal too, because that's a, you know, like like Meshuga has always kind of been in in the the background there in Mastodon, but like that's the kind of metal that in Gojira right along with us, you know, where it's that it's that kind of stuff you have to listen to it more than ten times. The first ten times you don't get it. You're like, you're like, okay, this, yeah, some obviously some really talented, difficult, technical, crazy shit. But you gotta like envelop yourself into that shit to really kind of grasp what's going on and what they're trying to put across. Yeah, man, destroy your race, improve. That's a fucking classic. Yeah, man. You know, and that's like, like I said, it's not. You can't listen to it one time, you know. And that, I love that kind of shit. Uh, you know, it's too bad. I just heard um, what just recently um, the the so down isn't going to get back together. Um, they officially split for good. And but Kirk Winstein is probably my favorite guitarist of all time. Um, the the guy for Crowbar, he he's got a new project coming up too. So the, pretty excited about that. Um, I'll always be excited to see what Phil comes up with next. Um, Hopefully not the uh, the thing with the illegals or whatever. I didn't really get into that too much. So, but when you know when he kills it, man, he fucking kills it. Yeah, man. And did you ever play an instrument back in your day? Yeah, still do. Uh, um, I played guitar for. I guess I, I guess, God, I'm old as fuck now. Probably like twenty years, man. <laughs> but you know, it's been so on and off. Like I, I probably don't play as good as a twenty year player would play. But, uh, you know, just because so on and off, you know, but, uh, you know, I still I still jam it out, man. You know, and I never my biggest problem is I've never really sat down and dedicated myself to one style. You know, I mean, I love playing metal, but I tell you what, man, like like I love playing fucking blues and and, uh, um, you know, even you know, southern rock. And, you know, what I mean, like, like I just love so much different stuff when it comes to. Uh, playing it on guitar so i think if i dedicated myself to one style i'd be a lot better i feel that man yeah i'm a drummer myself now are you a fan of queens yeah. of the stone age yeah you know they're um uh, uh man they're underrated i would say you know they're i, I wouldn't i would go see them live and you know if, if they if their album comes on my playlist i'll, I'll fucking kick it man but um, I, you know, I haven't really went out and purchased their albums or anything. So, 
you know, I'm not a, a fan like that, but I got a lot of respect for him, man. That, them guys are way underrated, and I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for. Yeah, they're definitely some OGs of their uh, of their respective genre. Now, back yeah. on, back on the fighting, man. So, okay, so you fought in ATL twice. Obviously, you know the controversial split decision against Dong Young Kim. But I was actually in attendance when you fought Wonder Boy, and man, that was an incredible fight. How does his striking compare to some of the other great strikers you fought? Um, you cut out a little bit. Who who's striking? Wonder Boy. Oh yeah, that was I fought Wonder Boy in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I wasn't that impressed with it, man. You know, his boxing was better than I thought it would be. And, you know, he he hit me a couple of times, but it was only because I was, you know, only worried about his legs, you know. You know, I wasn't even looking at his hands so, or worried about him at all or anything. And then he threw his hands. So, you know, I, honestly, I mean, his, his striking, I don't think it's everything um, it's cracked up to be, you know. And I think that uh, it, it's I exposed it. I mean, you know, I dropped him. Um, you know, I think I hit him with big shots like, you know, I mean, he, he, he wasn't – it wasn't nothing uh, that I wasn't expecting or anything. I mean, it was just, you know, I'll fuck him up again. You know what I mean? He, he keeps begging for a rematch, talking about it all the time. So, you know, I'll, I'll do the same thing next time, you know. You think he's got something for Johnny? No, that's a bad matchup for Wonder Boy, man. You know, I mean, gosh, you know, Johnny's a hell of a wrestler, man. He's even better than I thought he was. Uh, and, you know, and he's, from what I hear, he's back to training his wrestling more again up there at Okie State. So, you know, when he's focused on his wrestling, man, he's a hard, hard guy to stop in wrestling. It, he's he's a, one of those guys, man, like if he wants to take you down, like there ain't too many people that's not going to get taken down by him, man. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it was, you know, I had a lot of things going on when I went into that fight. Um so, you know, I have a lot of, you know, you call them excuses or reasons or whatever. So I could, you know, talk about those. But really, he's probably the best wrestler I ever fought, man. I mean, you know, and I don't think, uh, I don't think, I don't think Wonder Boy has anything for his wrestling. When Johnny wants to put him down, he's going to put him down. And, you know, as long as Johnny doesn't stay at distance like Ellenberger did or, you know, some of these other guys that have fought him, like as long as you just, you know, go after him, then I think it's going to be a really easy fight for Johnny. Well, I think there's something different when you talk about the mental game with Johnny than there is with someone like Jake Ellenberger. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it, it, that's, you know, that's probably, that's that, that's the speculation, right? But, you know, in all reality, I mean, I don't know what was going on in Jake's mind. Everybody... Everybody blames his losses on his mind. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's just not that good. I don't know. but Or maybe it is just mine. I don't know. But, yeah, Johnny, you know, hasn't seemed to have had any mental issues at all. You know, so, you know, Joe Rogan has a lot of power over people. You know what I mean? And, like, he's, he influences a lot of people. He says, he says, oh, you know, Jake Ellenberger, when his mind's right, is the best fighter and, you know, one of the great fighters. And he only loses when his mind's not right. And then everybody believes it. So, you know. I mean, you know, look. You know, when he fought Wonder Boy, he made a mistake. I don't, I don't know if I call it a mental error, but you know, he stood there in front of him and did the worst possible way that that you fight Wonder Boy, and that's stand in front of him and allow him to spin and jump and fly and all that goofy shit that he does. Now, let me ask you this about your fight with Johnny. Now, obviously, I've heard 
you speak after the fact that, you know, you don't take any solace in the fact that, you know, he didn't want to fight you because it's your fault that you weren't able to get back up. Now, that's a really good attitude, Matt, but I mean, in the back of your mind, do you at all feel any kind of solace that he didn't really want anything to do with you out there? No, I mean, I, I, not, not in the least bit. I mean, I don't blame him. I mean, if I was him, I would do the same thing. Um, that's the smartest way to fight me, and it's been shown. And that's a, a hole that I'm uh, that I'm focusing directly on patching up. I'm I'm not dancing around the subject. I know exactly what it is, and it's up to me to patch that up. And like I said, Johnny's the best wrestler I fought, and um, it, it's a very very hard guy to stop his takedowns when he wants it. I mean, it's very very hard, very difficult. You, you you know he's been doing it since he was two years old or five years old or whatever um you, you do it for you know your weeks or his years you know what i mean you do it for six eight weeks you know he's been doing it for 15 20 years you know what i mean or you could do it for 15 20 weeks so you know he's been doing it 15 20 years so you, you got a long way to catch up to a guy like that and it's hard to stop but you know, I think I could have done better in a lot of different ways, but you know, I just that whole camp and the whole fight and everything was just a complete mess for me. And um, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to say uh, what that, what that was, because then you know, making excuses or re- whatever. But um, you know, it is what it is, man. And you know, I hope I get a chance to try it again and and see if I can do better. Yeah, man. I mean, we'd love to see that. Now, I know, like you mentioned earlier on the show, you don't get caught up in the hype. But people like to call you a technical brawler. But when you actually look at the stats, I mean, you actually are the most accurate striker in that division and you have the most knockdowns. So, I mean, is it fair to call you a technical brawler? No, it's not. That's, I mean, I don't even know who come up with that shit. You know what I mean? Like, we're, you know, it's, again, it's probably Joe Rogan saying some shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, people just automatically listen to him. And don't get me wrong. I like Joe, man. He's really fucking articulate guy, really smart guy. Um, you know, but, you know, these people just, it's almost, you know, like, I don't know, like when CNN tells people, you know, the the wrong thing and everybody just automatically believes it. You know, I mean, it's sort of the same thing. It's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, people just don't have their own minds, you know. Yeah, man. Well, that's why, you know, I like to look at the numbers and just watch the fights for themselves. And when I watch fights, I watch them without the commentary or I just play my favorite music in the background because then you can really see what's happening in the fight. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought to do that. I mean, uh, I like listening to it. You know, like I said, I think Joe's a really smart guy. And a lot of times I think he calls it very good. But, you know, I think he would be well served to uh, respect um, or to, to understand, which he probably does, but you know, I don't know if he shows respect to it. But you know, if it'd be well served to understand how much power and influence he has over the community, you know, these fans and and whatnot. I mean, these people just automatically believe what he says, and you know, if if he understands that, then he, I think he needs to be very careful with his words. Yeah, I feel you, man. Sometimes it's probably hard when you're calling like twelve fights in a span of, oh, you yeah. know, what I mean. I mean, he deserves every benefit of the doubt, that's for sure. Um, I mean, he's paid to sit there and talk for, what, four, six hours or something, you know? I mean, it's I, I couldn't ever do it. I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, that's a tough, tough job. So so I give him every benefit of the doubt. But, you know, uh, hopefully he, you know, he realizes how much he can affect uh, people's thoughts. 
Yeah, well, it's definitely good to listen to what the fighters have to say and just, you know, take it from there. Now, I got to know about your fight with Robbie because, you know, prior to that fight, everyone's saying, oh, Robbie's going to knock him out in the first round and this and that. Obviously, that didn't happen. It turned out to be a really good fight. And you mentioned after the fact, Anthony Kiedis walked up to you and told you how badass of a fight that was. But to you, it's like, dude, I don't give a fuck if that entertained you. All I care about is winning. But still, man, I mean, do you take anything positive from that fight? Because it was a great fight. Well, you could say something positive from any fight, right? I mean, that's, you, you know, that, that's kind of a general statement. You know, I mean, I, I take positive just from, I could walk in and get knocked out in 30 seconds and take something positive from the fight. I mean, this is, you know, you could take something just from the simple experience of walking into a UFC cage and, um, and, and, and you know, performing or attempting to perform. So uh, there, there's a lot of positive to take from the fight, but, you know, there's, only one thing on my mind, and that's whooping his ass and getting that W. Yeah, and anything anything less is unacceptable in my mind. So, you know, as much as I love Anthony Kiedis, you know, at, at that point, I didn't give a fuck, you know. So, um, hopefully, you know, maybe I get to meet him on a, on a different day, and you know, and then we can chit-chat or something. But, you know, that day, I was like, you know, Anthony Kiedis, you fucking suck, man. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully, you know, after you knock out Damian Maya, hopefully he'll congratulate you then. But as far as Robbie's concerned, you know, obviously I've listened to the great MMA debate with you, Damon Martin, Jeremy Loper, and you mentioned Robbie's fight IQ, that he's actually a lot smarter than one may think. Can you talk about that? Because, I mean, man, I really like his parrying game, but I also, you know, obviously your style we all love too. So just from a technical standpoint, like, were you impressed? Like, what were you thinking, man? Because you were the guy inside the cage. I'm the guy outside. No, you uh, you hit the nail right in the head, man. You know he got me thinking too much. Um, I think it, you know, it should have been a better fight than it was, and it was. I thought it was a pretty good fight, but I think it could have been better than it was because you know my style's not normally. Normally, I just let it loose and allow my my body to do the thinking and allow the thinking to be instinctual and natural. But he sucked me into a thinking game and beat me at it. And I think I mean that was what well, I walked away with that from that fight feeling is that. You know, he and, you know, when you look at the stats, like, you know, I outstruck him in every round. And, I, you know, I, I think there's a, a case to be made where I won that fight for sure. So, you know, it's not all negative, that's for sure. But, you know, on that same token, I mean, you know, the biggest thing that I learned from that was was that fight IQ. And I, I definitely just I, probably what I was referring to is how I just took that for granted uh, when it comes to uh, Robbie Lawler, because, when you talk to him, you just don't get that feeling from him that he's going to be a really smart guy in there. And I thought I would outsmart him in there. I had a lot of tricks ready and a lot of things that I'd planned on doing that I didn't pull the trigger on because he was uh, making me think too much. And when you took on Tim Means at UFC 189, first of all, credit to Tim Means because he actually went out there and tried to fight you and one doesn't simply try to fight Matt Brown so I mean I got a lot of respect for that guy what'd you think about him man he was a lot tougher than I thought it'd be I can tell you that much and you know the one thing with him he was way way longer than I expected I mean that guy is just you know sort of a Nick Diaz type where well I've never fought Nick so I can't say for sure but you know where he looks like he's long and you expect him to be long but then you get in there and you're like, God damn, you're even longer than I thought, you know? So he was really hard to get close to and really hard to, um, I mean, especially with the elbows. I mean, you know, you I watched the replays, man, and he breathed some elbows by me that, 
you know, I don't even know how I dodged that shit, but I did. So fortunately, you know, my face was still intact and, you know, found, found a home for my elbow on him. So, you know, I mean, that's the, you know, he just happened to be that, you know, want to play that one game that you don't want to play with me. And that's the elbow clinch game. Yeah. I mean, do you think his mistake was the fact that he tried to trade elbows with you or was it that big head kick you landed? <clears throat> oh, I didn't even know I landed a head kick, did I? But yeah, probably, you know, um, I think that was his mistake, and you know I think uh, uh, he, you know, he believed in what he did. You know I, he come in to try to prove something, you know, and you know he believed in what he did a lot, and you know more power to him for that. But you know, uh, you know you fighting fire with fire with me, and you know I got a lot of fire in my ass, so yeah. you know, that's not always a good idea. Exactly, and it wasn't a good idea at all. And that guillotine, man. What kind of grip were you using there? Because that was some tight shit, dude. Um, I believe I just uh, like like a I don't I don't know what you would call it, but like I pull on my own wrist. Um, so I put my my my, my the hand that, that that's on the neck would just be straight, and then the, the opposite hand, which would have been my right hand in that fight, um, I, I grabbed. I grab high up on the forearm, like close to the elbow, and then slide it back towards the wrist, so that it, um, you know, tightens up as it gets closer to my hand. So as my hands get closer to each other. Got you, man. And what do you think about these next gen strikers, guys like Tomas Almeida, even Conor McGregor, just from watching them fight? Um, I mean, like it's, it works on some people some days, but. Look, what his, you know, it's just, I think it's like the same with these, you know, like these movement coaches. Like, I, I get sick of hearing about all this, this new gen bullshit. Like, I do, like, combat sports is not a new thing. You know what I mean? Like, like dude, I follow the, I read a lot about the history of boxing and, you know, I watch Thai fights all the way back to like the 70s when they were first being recorded. And, you know, like these people, like, there's a reason why these motherfuckers have been doing shit like this for hundreds of years, you know what I mean? Like, there's, you ain't bringing nothing new to the table, really. Like, it's been done before, and, you know, it got proven right or it got proven wrong, right? And what's been proven right is fundamental. So, you know, you bring in this garbage, you know, it's, it's going it's to work against a few people. Like, people, like, like I believe Connor. Like, he wins in spite of that. You know, he's extremely athletic, extremely large, extremely strong, uh, has so many great physical qualities and mental qualities. You know, he's winning in spite of that shit. And it's going, I, I feel like one day he's going to be exposed, you know, but, you know, he's not winning because of it. He's winning in spite of it. Oh, yeah. And I'm just talking about the striking itself, man. I'm not even talking about all the movement coach and any of that well, shit. Well, I, I mean, it, I think it's just one and the same. You know what I mean? Where that's what I'm referring you know like I think like he's winning in spite of his um you know garbage striking you know what I mean like like I tell you like if you fight me like you gotta keep your hands up or I'm gonna fuck you up okay I, I see what you're saying I got yeah. you yeah like it's, it's just one and the same you know what I mean and, uh, and there's a period at the end of that sentence you know you, you you better keep your hands up or I'm gonna elbow you in your face you know that's why tie fighters keep their hands up you know what I mean like you you ain't gonna see a single tie fighter Except maybe Sand Chai at some points in some fights, you know, fight with their hands down. Because they're gonna elbow you in the face or they're gonna kick you in your head. You know what I mean? Like like that's why they don't do that shit. And 
you know, he, like someone like Connor's just been fortunate enough not to run into the person that can do that yet. You think Rafael's going to be the guy to do that? That's a good question. You know, I don't know. I mean, he certainly has the potential. Um, you know, that's I, I, I don't know. I haven't really watched Rafael that much, to be honest. You know, I fought on like two cards with him, so I didn't really get to watch him fight. You know, when he beat Pettis, um, you know, I didn't get to watch because, you know, I was I was fighting on that same card. Um, and somebody else, I forget. So I haven't really got to watch him that much, I don't, so I don't really know what he does. I didn't get to watch the Cowboy fight for some reason. Can't remember why. Um, he's just one of those guys that coincidentally haven't been able to see that much. Now I got a question about a guy named Chris Lytle. Now you fought him twice, and back in the day, I, let me put it like this. He was like the Matt Brown before Matt Brown. So when you fought Chris Lytle, I mean, was there at all any like, man, I look up to this guy, or was it just a fight like it normally is? No, it was totally a look up to this guy, man. You know, and shit, we trained after you know we fought, man. You know, I have a lot of respect for for Chris, and I think he's a great guy. Kept in, I don't know, I guess distant touch with him, I guess you could say. Um, I, I love him, man. Respect his style so much. Love what he'd done. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, both times I fought him, I just didn't respect his ground game enough. Um, you know, we, we had pretty good battles on the feet both times, but ultimately he beat me on the ground. And um, <clears throat> the first time I just didn't expect it to go to the ground. You know, he took me down and, you know, messed me up on the ground pretty easy. Um, the second time, um, you know, uh, what was it? the second time? You know, we ended up on the ground, and he got me pretty easy again. But I thought I, I would be uh, ready for his ground game. Second time, I thought I was as good as him, and I I, I wasn't. So, you know, I, well, I wish the fights would have stayed on the feet. You know, but you know, we uh, we've trained together a few times. You know, and you I mean he's a tough, tough guy, man. He's hard to mess with. So, you know, and there's no shame in losing to him. Hell no, man. He's a legend of the sport. And I got to say, his retirement was one of the best retirements in MMA history because he went out on his own terms. For sure, for sure. And I guess tough kid and Dan Hardy, too. Uh, you know, it was, And it was a, it was a, a battle. It wasn't, you know, he didn't walk away with a, a clean fight. He walked away in a battle. Yeah, you were actually supposed to fight Dan Hardy back when he was, you know, fucking dudes up. And I think they gave you Jordan Meehan instead, or was it Swick? Yeah, I don't remember. That was when uh, Hardy had his wolf heart or whatever problem. Yeah, but either way, man, that, that me and fight was fucking sick. And it's funny because a lot of people like to criticize you. They're like, all you got to do is hit Matt Brown in the body. And I'm like, dude, why don't you go try that and tell me how it works out for you? I mean, it was, it was just a perfectly placed liver shot, right? Yeah, exactly, man. You know, and it is like people act like I got a weak body or something, but... Yeah, like you said, man, go try to take one. I mean, you know, train your body for for 10 years as hard as you can to see if you can take one of them shots. I mean, there's just there's nothing you can do about it, you know. I mean, you hit the liver, you hit the liver. There ain't, there ain't nothing you can do to stop it. Yeah, man. Well, Matt, listen, man, I could sit here and talk to you for a while, but I got to let you go, man. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me right here, right now on Half the Battle, man. And, you know, after you uh, take care of Damian Maya, we'd love to have you back on the show, bro. Yeah, anytime, bro. No worries. Yeah, man. And one thing, you pumped for that new Deftones album? Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't even know they were coming out with a new one. I love Deftones, man. Fuck yeah, man. They're actually uh, they're coming to town soon, so I'm pumped about that. 
Nice. When, when's um dropping? You know, I'm not sure. I think it's later on this year. And uh, they've been saying, they've been pumping it up, man. So I think it's going to be really damn good. And I really like that track that Chino did on the Lamb of God album. Oh, that was sick, dude. God damn. That was like, I never would have thought a, a song uh, with Lamb of God and Deftones would work. Especially, well, I never would have thought Lamb of God would have singing vocals ever either right but man they just fucking murdered it on that album bro i mean god they they they, they're evolving the right way for sure dude speaking of that song where randy sings clean the entire time i mean that threw me off but it was incredible i was like wow this is really damn good he fucking hit hit it perfect man i it's surprising that that's like, like I said, man. You like, did you ever expect to even hear a song like that from Lamb of God, and nonetheless, like, be able to pull it off? So, yeah, he, he's on point, man. And you know, he was saying that he's not really so interested in doing growling vocals anymore. So, it might might be more of that where that came from. Hell yeah, man! And one last thing, you thinking about getting a second German Shepherd anytime soon? Nah, man. He's. Del- <laughs> I love. It. If maybe when, whenever I, I retire, you know, what I mean, I got the time because you know I spend a lot of time with him every day. So it's we, we definitely gotta, um, you know, I don't want to. I, I gotta make sure I do the dog justice to have another one. For sure, man. And I will DM you a couple pictures of my German shepherds, man. So once again, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, bro. And we'll be in touch, dude. You have a good one. All right. All right. Talk to you later. All right, man. See ya. Right, bye. There you have it, folks, Matt the Immortal Brown. And man, not only is he one of the most exciting fighters in the game, but what a unique individual. And you know, it's funny, I forgot to tell him that, uh, you know, back in the day, I was business partners with one of my friends, and our conflict resolution was that, you know, if we disagreed on something, the way we resolve it is the first thing we do is we had to watch a Matt Brown fight, you know, kind of like uh, Dana and Lorenzo on their conflict resolution the first thing they do is they got to spar five rounds of jujitsu with us it was watching matt brown fight so with that being said i want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to this very special edition of half the battle i hope you guys enjoyed it you can subscribe to half the battle on youtube itunes and soundcloud so with that thank you guys very much and enjoy the fights